Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Lifestyle is Medicine podcast. In this episode, we tune into part two of a Lifestyle Med live event with Dr. Pekka Matinen, professor at Berman University and gut scientist, as he talks about the ultimate diet for gut health. Let's listen in. All right, so what about diet and the microbiome? You're probably wondering, of course, diet has an impact, but how much of an impact, how rapid of an impact? Um, if you eat, you know, if you've been eating bad things for a long time or good things for a long time or however, how quickly can things change? Well, it turns out in, a pep, in about three or four days, um, things can change quite rapidly um, in the microbiota. So um, in this study, what they did was they compared an animal-based diet, meat, eggs, cheeses, and a plant-based diet with grains, legumes, fruits, vegetables, and looked at um, the types of, of changes that could occur when you switch people back and forth between these diets. So um, some of you may not be willing to do that kind of a study uh, if you have a particular dietary preference, but they did find some uh, volunteers who were vegetarian who were willing, okay, for the sake of the study, I'll eat the meat, right? Um, and they watched the shifts. And without going into too much detail, um, basically what they found, not surprisingly, is on a plant-based diet, you have a high fiber intake. Animal-based diet, not so much. Um, on a, on a, uh, the fat intake, of course, is higher on an animal-based diet. Protein intake is, is, is higher on an animal-based diet as well. So you can see this difference. Higher fiber, animal uh, protein and meat has one thing in common with itself, obviously, is that it has zero fiber in it, no fiber at all. Uh, so this, this clearly was, was happening. They noticed, actually, that there was a change in the time it took for um, you to get rid of your waste. So transit time was slowed down uh, significantly, but it, not massively, but significantly. And it, I'm sure if you did it over a longer period of time, it would have had even a more dramatic effect. Um, and the key thing that I want to get across is not only is having the fiber helpful, right, um, to, from the plant-based diet, uh, the, the meat and animal products and the, the fats, the animal fats, they tend to feed bacteria that produce toxic metabolites. So this was from the same study. Um, they found that deoxycholic acid levels increased on the animal-based diet quite rapidly in response to, to change to that, to that animal-based diet. So this and, and DCA, deoxycholic acid, is not a, um, an unstudied molecule. People have looked at this, and it's been clearly shown to damage uh, DNA and promote liver cancer. So it's a known, it's a known carcinogen. So it's really quite clear that uh, these diets are, are at high levels, at least, and these were pretty high levels, are promoting the, the production of these kinds of um, tablets. On the flip side, um, the products or byproducts, we talked about butyrate before, of fiber metabolism by the microbes are actually very protective against cancers. So um, without reading into the slides all that much, one key thing to say is butyrate seems to be key. They did a very carefully controlled study. I, I remember going to the talk by the guy who did this, this study, and it was fascinating because essentially he showed that the butyrate itself was really important because they were able to colonize mice with bacteria that had no ability. They were the same bacteria that, that were beneficial normally, but they could not metabolize fiber into butyrate and they lost, they lost the beneficial effect. 
when they did that. So if you, if you take this no butyrate producer and you give it the high fiber diet, you still get lots of tumors. Um, but if you allow this wild type butyrate producer there, it has just much, much less, um, less uh, cancer in these, in these mice. Um, and then you could actually feed butyrate directly. Um, and, and that worked. But one thing that's important is they were gavaging that butyrate right to the place where it would be active. If you ate butyrate um, straight, uh, it would, the vast majority of it would be absorbed in your small bowel and you would not get it in your colon where it's beneficial. So uh, it's not recommended for you to just go and eat a bunch of butyrate. Um, it's not going to help you. Um, however, they are, they are uh, coming up with some, how do we say, um, drugs, which essentially will, will carry butyrate in a form that won't get absorbed down to your colon where then it can be, it can be uh, used. So, you know, artificial fiber effect, if you will. Here's that study that really clearly showed um, this dietary fiber uh, and fiber loss effect. So if you deprive the gut microbes of fiber, they will chew up that, that mucus layer and, and um, you get more problems. Uh, eroded mucus layer, higher um, uh, levels of inflammation in these, in, in these mice. Okay, so the key point here is don't starve your microbial self. This was Erica and Justin Sonnenberg made this point. Um, it, it, it pays to feed um, your fellow travelers. They, they'll thank you for it, and they won't eat you, right? That's the main point. Now, I want to touch on something. Speaking of, like, feeding, right? Um, so this is quite an incredible uh, – I don't know if any of you – are aware of Prader-Willi syndrome. So in this syndrome, uh, in children, um, the children have low muscle tone, so they, they typically don't engage in as much physical activity, and they're basically genetically obese. So in this syndrome, they have a, an issue with the paternal gene that's, that's, um, that's causing, we don't even know all the molecular details of how it works, but um, it's causing these several of things. One is this low muscle tone. Another is this chronic uncontrollable feeling of hunger. So your child, you know, you, you guys, if you have children, um, you realize that they're already hungry as it is, right? <laughs> For them to be even more hungry would, you know, could be over the top. Um, and then they don't have the ability to really feel that they're fed. So they, they continue to uh, eat even though they're full. And so this food craving behavior ends up happening. Interestingly, so there's uh, Liping Zhao from uh, Shanghai. He has done studies to show that even in children like this, if you feed them uh, high, a high fiber diet, okay, um, essentially it can, even in these, in these, of course, now that that's pretty controlled, right? Because these children are no longer allowed to eat, right? Whatever they want, they're eating this high fiber diet it will actually help reverse that, um, that obesity. So genetical, both genetic obesity and simple obesity can be reversed through uh, a high fiber diet in, in his studies. Um, so quite, quite amazing uh, work and I think shows the power of, of getting the, the right bacteria in your gut um, fed by those right, uh, those fibers that can be beneficial. Um, Another study that he also did, which is much more recent, um, is, uh, well, I guess in 2018, this was in science. Um, so type 2 diabetes, um, interestingly, the, the uh, data is becoming more and more clear that type 2 diabetes, I think we've known this for a long time, but I don't think the mainstream literature has accepted it, that 
type 2 diabetes is a reversible disease. Um, here he's shown that you can actually uh, selectively promote um, good gut bacteria through dietary fiber and alleviate type 2 diabetes. Um, so that was a science paper, which I mean, I guess we've shown this, this kind of stuff has been shown in other studies. Other point, uh, just to kind of um, nail the point home that the fiber is not just working um, through the bacteria, it appears to work also independently. So just like the human milk sugars, as we showed, it wasn't something very specific to human milk sugars. It seems that other uh, fibers, soluble fibers, one being inulin and another short chain fructooligosaccharide or SCFOS, they have the similar beneficial effects to human milk sugars. Uh, and so that, that really, uh, you know, you can benefit from fiber in this way, even if you're not drinking mother's milk, right? Finally, I want to, because I know I, I don't want to go too much longer than uh, um, to allow some time for questions. Um, I want to talk a little bit about flaxseed. Some of you have, have you guys heard of flaxseed before? Yes, maybe. You're not allowed to talk to me anyway, so we'll talk more later. But I'm sure many of you have, have uh, you know, eaten flax or used flax uh, in, in a variety of things. Now, flaxseed um, contains a lot of omega-3. We know it for that. But one thing that flaxseed is, is really actually... Um, high in, it's the, it's the highest dietary source known, it's, it's something uh, called um, the pre-lignans or, or the lignans. Now, these are, they're not lignans at this point, but they're molecules that can be processed to lignans. And interestingly, some, of the, some recent work from uh, Peter Turnbow's lab out in, um, I think he's at UCSF now, I can't remember where he's at. Anyway, Peter Turnbow, very, pretty uh, um, kind of top-notch microbiome researcher, he's been showing that it's actually uh, a series of microbes that process this, the, the, the molecules from, uh, in particular, this agarthalolenta processes the lignans to form their bioactive components. And these are, these, um, uh, how, how do we call them? Polyphenols, these really uh, potently active uh, biological molecules, which are very health promoting, are actually in a large part um, made by bacteria, well, not made by them, but processed to the active form by microbes in your gut. And that's actually uh, the only way that they really get activated. So, you know, some of the health benefits that you get from flax, it's not just the omega-3. You're, you're feeding certain bacteria, which are able to provide other side benefits. Um, so it's, you know, it's worth looking at um, at these bacteria and he was trying to in fact he did a lot of challenging studies to try and reiterate this pathway in vitro so that it could be proven that this is actually what's happening because it's a pretty complex place that this is all happening in your gut and many of those bacteria are anaerobic so um one final point i want to bring up i didn't include slides here but there's been some interesting studies out of cornell showing that um Diet is very important for the microbiome, but it doesn't seem to be the only key determinant. There are other important things that are affecting the microbiome. And so we don't really know for sure which ones affect the microbiome the most. Could have to do with circadian rhythms, could have to do with a variety of different things. But one key point is exercise. Exercise seems to modify the gut microbiota in a, in a significant way. And, uh, and so that's something that um, is worth 
further study is, is what are the other uh, lifestyle um, effects outside of diet that are impacting the microbiota and what are and how are ways that we can uh, improve the microbes in us um, by affecting those lifestyle habits. Um, so with that, I just want to summarize here quickly. Um, so if you, if, if all of that, all of that other stuff was kind of like huh, Chinese, um, then pay attention to these main points, fiber, 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 right? So, uh, uh, fiber is feeding the good bacteria. It keeps them happy and not eating your mucus layers. That's number one point. Fiber will feed the good guys and they will actually feed your colon. And the type of metabolism that they uh, promote is actually a type that prevents cancer. Now, how in the world does that work? Well, cancer is, uh, uh, some of you might be aware of the Warburg effect, but cancer likes to take and um, process sugar. Uh, and produce um, uh, oxygen sometimes, actually, but not use oxygen. So glycolytic metabolism doesn't require oxygen. And that's actually a problem because you, in your gut, you want there to not be oxygen. I know this sounds um, maybe counterintuitive, but that's a place where oxygen shouldn't be found. And what uh, some very amazing research out of California um, Andreas Baumler's lab, um, he has shown that when you effectively uh, change the type of metabolism happening in the gut, that is the tipping point. Because what it does is it, it leads to more oxygen in that environment, and then the bacteria that can use oxygen start to take over. And so that's really the big, the big shift that takes place. Um, fiber also directly signals your intestinal epithelium to protect itself. So we talked about doesn't need to be, it doesn't have to go through with the microbiota, the fiber can help in other ways. And then animal proteins, high in fat and sugars, they could feed the bad guys, um, producing putrefactive byproducts. Um, and so you want to try and avoid them. Polyphenols that are found in fruits, veggies, nuts, those kinds of places. Um, and some of the, pre uh, they could also be prebiotic. They don't have to be, um, it doesn't have to just be fiber. Um, they can be, they can have benefits um, like for example the lignans we talked about. So with that, um, can I uh, take some questions here? I can stop the share for now. Yes, thanks. Uh, thanks, Pekka. Thanks, Dr. Metinen, for uh, the amazing talk. I, I'm really fascinated by some of the things you shared about how uh, breast milk has fiber, right? didn't really realize that uh, so that's, that was really fascinating and even the information about the prater willy syndrome that was really really interesting it says it shows how powerful the gut microbiome really is right. uh, well uh, we do have questions Dr. Madden so we'll get right into sure. that all right we have about 15 or so minutes so that's really good timing on your end all right so I'm gonna uh, say your name and uh, then I'll see the question all right and as we're doing, please feel free to keep on uh, asking questions. We will try to get to as many as we can. So Roy Kim is asking the question, Hi, Pekka, what is your take on dietary supplements that claim to promote a healthy gut lining? Um, well, it, it depends on the supplement, <laughs> I guess, right? Um, but I would say, um, you know, in, in it, clearly in its natural form, generally speaking, 
why pay for a supplement that you can get um, in the food that you can eat? So I would say if, if, you're, if you're talking about things like inulin or soluble fiber supplements, uh, you know, these are often, you could get them in the, in the, in the pharmacy. You can get, you know, fiber supplements. Um, they don't taste so good. They're, I mean, they're, they're just, yeah, they're, they're added items, but, and they, they may have benefits, not to say that they won't have a benefit, but um, if you can get it from a food item, I would say that would be your best bet. Great. And uh, just for some who join a little bit later, we do have a, a disclaimer that Dr. Martin's uh, information is for educational purposes only. So before making any, applying anything, please speak with the healthcare provider. All right. Uh, Miriam Berlin asked the question, can you elaborate on the relationship of microbiota and IBS, irritable bowel syndrome? Irritable bowel syndrome. So um, that's different from IBD, right? Because IBS is a syndrome and, and I'm not, I'm by no means a specialist in IBS, but it's more of a psychosomatic uh, type of disease. Uh, George might be able to speak more about it, but it, it really, the gut brain axis, I didn't even really touch on that much here. Um, there, there's, there's most certainly, so if you're asking me how to deal with this specifically, I would say each one key thing to note for every one of you is everybody's an individual. And when it comes to the microbiota, each, there are a lot of healthy people that have different microbiotas, right? And there are a lot of sick people that also have very different microbiotas. How do you um, know which is good and which is bad? that's the hard part. So I would say on a case to case basis, this is where we have to, we have to assess. And so it, it would be important for a, an individual like this with IBS to go through a careful assessment on, on their, the, uh, you know, their specific situation. And then somebody could, could make a call there. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Thanks, Dr. Martin. And thanks, Miriam, for the question. Denisha is asking the question, if you're eating enough fiber, do you still need a probiotic? So interestingly, um, there's, there, there have been some, so there was a recent study uh, that was quite extensive um, and I didn't get to touch on it here because it was, I, I'm not certain if it's published yet, but they showed that the fiber had, has, a, has a significant effect on, on, on the microbiome as we, as we talk. But it turns out that fermented foods actually have a more dramatic or, or at least similarly and even more so dramatic impact on the microbiota. Now, I was a little surprised by this result because it was, it was quite a cataloging uh, study that they did this in. So I would, I would say that fermented foods, which are probiotic, right, by, by you know, kimchi and uh, sauerkraut and those kind of things, very beneficial. Uh, probiotics in and of themselves, the, 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 the pills, they're, they tend to be quite transient. They don't stay in you for very long. So it's better to, um, to get, to support the correct bacteria by what you eat is my, is, has been my um, uh, estimation there. And that's been studied quite extensively. So yeah, probiotics are not necessarily necessary if you're getting enough fiber and you don't have any other symptoms. Great. Oh, this is a very interesting question uh, from Charles Nazaire. And so if I didn't say your name properly, which onions are the best? <laughs> Which onions are the best? Well, um, that's a good question. Uh, leeks are actually particularly good, but uh, garlic, leeks, onions, 
the the one that's really the superpower it's not actually an onion it's it's the jerusalem artichoke um which i don't know if any of you have eaten but notice one thing that i would i would caution you on some of these very high fiber foods if you take ingest a lot of them very quickly you'll have um some some gas issues uh so you want to just like a person starting to eat beans you want to be kind of gradual but um yeah that's a really good question i don't know which of the onions is is the is the best i wish i did i'll have to look that up um but yeah eat onions are good he follows up here with uh so i think for fiber content and polyphenols for fiber content and polyphenols well, um yeah. well for poly yeah yeah so um it depends on which fiber. So I think uh, the inulins and the short-chain fructooligosaccharides are the two that would be the main soluble fibers. And which particular onion is the top? Man, I don't know, actually. We'll, we'll have to do the Google search and check it out. I, I bet you the information is available, though. So Okay, great. Uh, thanks, Charles, for that very, very interesting question. Uh, Arlette Susanna is asking a question. I think you touched a little bit on it, but she asking uh, for a little bit she adds a little bit more foods here. So what's your opinion on kombucha, sauerkraut, yogurt, kefir, and other fermented foods uh, that are said to improve the gum flora? So you're talking about kimchi and fermented foods, but how about like sauerkraut, yeah. yogurt, kefir? Yeah. So, okay. So um, when it comes to the um, uh, plant-based um, probiotic foods like kimchi uh, sauerkraut and so forth they they definitely uh and and other and other probiotic containing foods that study uh that i was talking about they allowed people to use any probiotic they wanted so i think this was actually from justina sonnenberg's lab now that i remember it um no erica sonnenberg yeah out in in at stanford so look that up erica sonnenberg stanford study because that study has shown that Fermented foods of any sort have uh, significant effects on the microbiota. Um, are they health beneficial or not? Um, they, they seem to indicate that they would likely be. Uh, my only concern, this is from other studies I've done for some of the dairy products, is that they contain or they may contain other bacteria which um, have been linked to not so good things. So, for example, if you want to... Um, uh, get yourself on a rabbit trail, look up Mycobacterium avium paratuberculosis. This particular bacterium is, uh, has been linked by some to IBD. I'm not saying it is causative, but there are, there are lots of studies showing. And, and about 30 to 40% of dairy herds in Canada are actually infected with this, with this bacterium. So it's a slow grower, it, and uh, I, would, I would be cautious about that because of the bulk um, tanking that's done with, with milk. So. Great, great. Uh, thank you for the question, uh, Arlette. Uh, moving on here. Uh, and sorry if I uh, don't see any. Amuet, uh, what are your recommendations regarding fiber in the presence of SIBO? That's a very interesting question. SIBO? So like, um, yeah. I have SIBO yeah. and fiber. Is yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, so here's here's... Here's here's my take on this, and it might seem oversimplistic, but if you want to if you want to read a great book um, that I I would highly recommend, written by uh, uh, actually John Harvey Kellogg, um, it's called The Itinerary of a Breakfast, and what it does is it follows a breakfast through the food tube, um, and 
look it up. It's hard to find. It's kind of a rare book, but it's hilarious to read and it's quite uh, wonderful. One thing about fiber is it makes you regular. We all know that. We knew that before all these benefits we're talking about. So fiber has this idea that it clears you out quite regularly. Now, if you have issues with constipation, what can happen is, and this is what he gets at in this book, is that I, I very briefly mentioned when we looked at the anatomy slide there, that there is an ileal cecal valve between your ileum and your, and your, um, and your you know, colon, uh, your cecum, really, the first part of your colon initially there. That valve can, can start to get um, a pressure buildup there such that you're, you have leakage because the va think about it, the vast majority, I should almost pull up the, um, I don't know if I can screen share that briefly here. Yeah, I'll do it really quickly. Um, uh, let me just pull up the anatomy slide here. Where is it here? Um, so remember that there is the ilium is the lower part of the small bowel and then it connects to the cecum. At that part where the connection, that junction, remember the vast majority of bacteria are in your colon. So when you have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, where do you think they're coming from? They're coming from your colon. How are they getting there? You have an incompetent ileocecal valve. That would be the, not, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a physician, but uh, if you've had issues with constipation any time in your life and there have been some there has been some leakage up there, it could be an issue. Now, I'm not saying that's going to be the issue in every case, but this could be one. So fiber, if you already have SIBO, is fiber going to help? Again, an individual person, individual uh, uh, um, you know, treatment plans. Uh, I'm not here to give a blanket thing, but I would say um, if you can gradually get more and more fiber in your diet uh, without having um, massive inflammation and issues, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of work coming out of the Mayo Clinic on SIBO and, and, you know, I can't really speak to all of that. I'm not a clinician on it, but sir, that's kind of my take on it. So Great. I'll stop my share. Great. And thank you so much for the question. Denisha again is asking a question. What do you suggest for leaky gut? For leaky gut? Well, uh, fiber. <laughs> Surprise. Um, but um, uh, really, um, if you've already got issues with inflammation, unfortunately, um, you may need to, and this is where you have to be careful because some of the foods, so, you know, it's, it's not a one size fits all strategy. So some foods will actually perturb things worse. If you add like really, you know, foods that are readily fermented very quickly into your diet, you could get, you could get some issues with gas and that can be problematic. So um, adding gradually and slowly more fiber to your diet would be a good idea. Uh, and soluble fiber in particular, so that those bacteria get fed. You, you because you want to restore the mucus layer. Once that mucus layer is back in shape, then um, you're 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 golden. But until that point, you really, you know, you're you're struggling, right? Right, right. Okay, great. Thank you so much for the question. Um, again, Amuet, uh, can you talk more about short chain fatty acids? So. That's a big question, but maybe is there a stuff about short chain fatty acids that you haven't talked about that you'd like to just kind of briefly point out? We have like about two or three minutes. So yeah, there's several different types of short chain fatty acids. Butyrate and acetate seem to be the main ones. Um, uh, they're, they're just, well, two key things that I'll highlight again, basically they dampen inflammation and they, in, and they enhance and they, they feed your, your colonocytes in the gut. 
that there's only one cell in your body that uses those short chain fatty acids as energy. Um, there's only one cell in your body that actually, or not one cell, but one type of cell in the body that actually relies on an outside energy source like that, um, that was, that was pre metabolized by someone else. And those are those colonocytes. Other ones rely on, on glucose and that kind of thing. So yeah, they're very, very useful and important for your, for your, for your gut. Great. Lots yes. Of evidence. Yeah. yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for the question. Uh, few last few questions here. Riza is asking, what are your thoughts about the effects of vinegar on the gut? That's a very interesting question. Hmm, vinegar. Yeah, um, <laughs> it is a good question. I mean, uh, you, one thing you have to ask yourself is how far does that get, right? I mean, the dosage of vinegar, the amount you take in. Uh, one thing that highly acidic foods um, coming in, um, are they going to affect, you know, lower down? Or are you going to get more acidification lower down? You actually want to have a fairly acidic colon, um, but your stomach, right? You don't want it too much. So I would say acid is probably, those kinds of acids probably going to have more effects on your upper gastrointestinal tract and lower down the, the effects might not be as big later. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, I think, I think the irritation effects would be higher up. That, that would be my take on it. Mm-hmm. This is really curious to do a study. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you, Reza, for the question. And the next question is a very interesting one by Robert. I have trouble with beans. I love them, but they give me the runs. What can I do if I want to be a vegan? I want to be a vegan. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, beans aren't the only vegan food. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, one thing that's important about beans, um, so I've become a little bit of a bean snob personally. Um, uh, if you, if you, one key, depending on who you are, uh, you may get beans in a can, you may get beans. I, I can no longer, I, I, it's not that I can't tolerate them. I just can't stand the taste of beans that I get in a can from the grocery store. Soak them overnight, cook them in a pressure cooker, rinse them really, really well before you do that. After the overnight soaking, that can help get rid of some of that, um, uh, how do we say, uh, material that leads to more flatulence and more irritation. That's it for this episode of the Lifestyles Medicine Podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. To learn more about Lifestyles Medicine, please visit www.lifestylemed.org. To learn more about our clinic partner, Pathways Lifestyle Medicine Clinics in Toronto, go to www.pathwaystowholeness.ca. See you at our next episode, and until then, remember, your lifestyle is medicine.